Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Hallelujah. Well, last week Chris spoke about having a heart after God and he spoke about David and how David had such a heart to seek God and know God. So this is part two of that message, having a heart after God, having a great heart that seeks and loves God. And I want us to begin with Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. Guard your heart. Our hearts are very important, aren't they? Our physical hearts. We've got a few nurses amongst us. My sister-in-law, no sister-in-law, my cousin is a nurse and a physiotherapist, works for the Flying Doctors, so I guess you know a few things about hearts. And it's very important to have that, that heart pumping away regularly, isn't it? All the time. We never, we never wanted to skip a beat or be irregular. We wanted just to pump, 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 keep us alive, keep the blood flowing. It's very, very important. And the Bible speaks about our hearts in the spiritual sense as also being the, uh, the centre of our will, if you like, and the, uh, the centre of our personal being, our, our moral and spiritual character. There's a sense the Bible speaks about our heart as being that part of us spiritually. So physically, it's important and we need to look after our hearts physically. But spiritually, the Bible speaks about our heart as also being a very important, almost like the core of who we are. And it's saying that out of our heart, everything comes. It comes from within. So we need to make sure that what's going on in here is good because everything is going to come out of all the issues of our life are going to come out from our heart. And there's so many scriptures about this. In fact, the Bible talks about the heart 946 times. That's a lot on one topic. So I've had a lot of fun looking up about the heart. But let me just quickly read through some of these scriptures. Mark 7, 21 and 22. It is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. They're in the heart. So so it's no no good just trying to stop someone here from saying something stupid or being... It's coming out of the heart. Look at what um, Ecclesiastes says, 9.3. The hearts of people, moreover, moreover, are full of evil... And there is madness in their hearts while they live and afterward they join the dead. So he's saying, people are mad. People are crazy, which we see all the time. It's like, what? why do they do that? It's because there's madness. The Bible says there's actually madness in people's hearts. There's evil stuff going on. And Jeremiah, the prophet, he said this, Jeremiah 19.9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So we've got a problem, haven't we? (laughs) 
Like it's it's kind of like, whoa, we have a serious problem in our hearts, all of us. And it's because of sin. It's the it's just it's the way we were born. We we were we inherited this problem. We 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 see it in little children. They are they start off doing silly things and we have to train them and try and stop them from doing silly things. And that's because there's something inside of our heart that's that's cold to God, that's unyielding, that's wrong. And, and the Bible speaks about that and says we need to be very, very careful and guard our hearts. And we see this with so many careless sinners out in the world who are, you know, potentially very smart people. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily an intelligence issue, is it? It doesn't say, you know, that they've got their brains wrong. I'm, I'm sure there were some very smart Nazis who figured out how to do some very horrible things. They are very clever, but boy, what was going on in their hearts? I'm sure there's some very smart communists around. In fact, I'm sure there's prisons are full of very, very intelligent, smart people. So it's not, it's not an issue of intelligence. And often you can explain to people, don't do that. That's not good. That will not work out well. But, you know, the heart, is drawn to sometimes these evil things. Sin promises much but delivers nothing except bitterness and illusion. Look at the Pharisees. They're a classic example of a hard heart. And um, Jesus spoke to them and rebuked them for their hardness of heart. And afterwards, Paul also rebuked some of the Pharisees and some of the Jews. He said, According in Romans 2.5, according to your hardness and your impenitent hearts, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath. The Pharisees literally saw Jesus do miracle after miracle after miracle. I mean, people say, well, if you know, if I saw Jesus and he was doing a miracle, then I then I would believe. Well, people they did. They literally saw him. They saw someone you know, be raised up and he couldn't walk and he starts walking. They go, well, you shouldn't have done it on a Sabbath. It's like, wait a minute, can we just take a step back? Did you notice the guy was lame from birth and now he's walking? Did that, did that not sort of touch you a little bit? Did you not think, uh, wow, maybe God is involved with this man or maybe something special is happening here? You didn't, you didn't sort of think like that? You're just annoyed because he's not sort of saying what you want him to say and he's not following your little rules and, you know, these churches, they don't do church the way I think they should do church, so, so I'm going to criticise them. It's like, have you thought maybe something good is going on in some of these churches? Have you thought about what's actually happening? I always think it's the weirdest thing. Who has had this experience if you've been raised up in a, in a family that isn't following Jesus? And this, I know this happens regularly, not so much to me, but a little bit, but... You say, Mum, Dad, I want to go to church. Church? You want to go to church? Well, what's going on in that church? I mean, they sing, they sit and listen to preaching. It's pretty harmless. I don't know about I don't know about that church. I know my mum came along and checked it out. She was like, oh, I don't know about these people, you know. It's like, would you rather I went to the local club and got drunk or, you know, hung out with you know, it's like I can't ever figure out why parents don't want their teenagers to go to church. I'm like, it's a pretty good option, really, compared to getting drunk and disorderly or driving crazy cars or, you know. But anyway, you know, it's it's funny how we can find a problem with something that's good. And it goes back to our hearts. We've got a problem in our heart. But you might say, well, okay, it doesn't make sense these people refuse to believe in God. 
They won't glorify him as God. They won't recognize God. But I, I believe in God. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not like that. But we see another group of people, and that was the Israelites in the wilderness, who did believe in God. They knew that God had opened the Red Sea. And yet listen to what the Hebrew writer says to them. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me. So they hardened their hearts against God, even after seeing all the miracles. And what exactly did they do in the wilderness? Basically, they complained. They complained and complained and complained. God would do something wonderful and they go, well, yeah, okay. All right, you rescued us from the army, but what about this? We're not getting enough of this. At one place called Massa, it's called Massa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing. It's got two names. They argued and complained because they were thirsty. We're not getting enough water here. We don't, we don't like, you know, what's going on? We might as well go back to Egypt. You're not even going to give us enough water. They just, they just complained. And their attitude was one of constant complaint. God would do, and so then he does a miracle. You know, Moses struck the rock and the water comes flying out of the rock. This massive river appears and and they go, all right then, until they went around the corner and started complaining about the next thing. And it's interesting because that attitude is also shown to be, by in the book of Hebrews, one of a hard heart because you're not grateful to God. You're not rejoicing in all that he's done. And we need to make sure that we don't have that attitude that, you know, I believe in God and, you know, I go to church, but, you know, gee, the chairs are uncomfortable. I don't think anyone could say that about our chairs, but it has been said. Or it's too cold or too hot. I don't know. There's an air conditioning noise. I know. <laughs> Frosty's like, don't start. We have a lot of different temperature gauges in this room and it's, it's, it, no, and we'll never all be happy, okay? There's some of you who are freezing cold right now and some of you are boiling hot. It's just the way it's going to, yes. Okay, look, what, you've just got to rejoice and be grateful and, my, and get a rug. If you're a cold person, I have two down there, get a rug. What was that? Put on before you turn. I don't know what that means, but it's, it's okay. You, yeah. Sorry, not with you, but get a rug. It's not a problem. <laughs> get a rug. But you know what I'm saying? There's always something, whether it's the air conditioning or the, the pastor or the, you know. We've never had this one too much, but I know some pastors' wives, people get really, they say, oh, do you find people complain a lot about what you wear? And I went, no, I should, maybe I shouldn't have said it, but <laughs> so, no, there's never been an issue in our church. <laughs> Um, okay, I'll do my best, guys. This is it. You know, I'm a grandmother now. I'm, I like being a granny because now I'm kind of like, I'm not going to let myself go. But it's like, well, I mean, I'm a grandmother now. I mean, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to look like a jazzy little 20-year-old anymore. I'm a granny. So I'm really, I'm, I'm, I like that. But we have to, you know, we can complain about so many things in our lives, you know. Complain, oh, you know, my husband's, or the church this, or the preaching that. or that. And, and that shows actually a hard heart. It actually shows a hard heart. And God wants us to be grateful because we have so much to be grateful for. You know, just, just, just this morning, we were driving through Lizero and just we have been watching the, the road transforming for the last however many years, I don't know. And now, you know, it's just, it's just fascinating to see and amazing, you know, this whole road being built around us. And I'm so grateful that our government builds these amazing roads. And Chris and I remembered back when we were missionaries in Russia, just, we said, 
remember the roads in Russia? And was just, we just shook our heads because they had potholes that were so bad. I mean, you, and you never knew how bad they were, but they were so bad and so big and they would fill up with water and then freeze over the top. But there'd be ice over the whole of the road and you'd think, you know, you, you'd sort of drive up and you could see people get out of their car sometimes and like, how, what, you know, how bad is the pothole? And I'm, I mean, this is not funny, this is terrible, but I'm not kidding. They were so bad that one time when we were in St. Petersburg, somebody who actually didn't check drove into the pothole and it was so bad the whole car sank in, in, and it was full and it was actually full because they had their water systems running beneath the road and it was full of boiling water. So the, he, he died. He died in the pothole. So that's how bad the roads were in Russia. You just, you didn't want to go driving through potholes. You never, <laughs> but Chris used to drive up, he used to drive, he would avoid all potholes and you'd just drive up onto the, the footpath. And, you know, so cars are just going, I'm not going around there. So they go up and the people would be, oh, you know, and the cars would be on the footpath. It was just a crazy world. But we were so grateful when we came back for Australia, you know. We were so, you know, sometimes we need to realise how much we've got and, and not complain about everything, you know. Some of you know that my husband is a, um, he, he likes his cereal. It's a fairly big issue. He, um, he eats a lot of cereal and... This is true. He drinks one litre of milk every day. A litre of milk every day. We wonder why we go through I was We actually worked it out once because I go, always buying milk, 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 can't get enough milk. And that's, we realised, we actually calculated how much he was going through. So the problem in Russia was there was no cereal and the milk. Oh, so <laughs> he went and got some Russian milk and he found out that the milk, I mean, I don't know what, I think it was just straight from the cow into the bottle because it was not pasteurised and it was not homogenised. And so Chris goes, he said, um, he said, well, well, you know, and he, he finds, what does pasteurised mean? Anyway, they just, they just boil it off and kill off the, the bugs, right? And I'm like, I don't know. So I remember he got some milk and he boiled it up, you know, and I mean, I just didn't even go near it. I'm like, I'm not touching that milk. But he boiled the milk and then drank it with the two-year-old American cereal that he had discovered in some shop, you know, Captain Crunch or something. And so he had the two-year-old Captain Crunch with his home-boiled milk. And I'm just like, babe, just no, you know, just no. But anyway, we survived. We survived. <laughs> but the thing is, the point is, you come back and we've, we're just so grateful. I mean, how amazing. Come on. Our lives are so good. We go to supermarkets and there's just different kinds of milk and it's all pasteurised and homogenised as far as I know. Like you don't get, you know, you, it's healthy. And, you know, the cereal's amazing and we are, we're so good. So let's keep that attitude in our hearts that if we hear his voice, we don't harden our hearts and complain as they complained. And, and it says here, and they tested me. They tested me. It was like, you know, God, you're not doing good enough. It's like we don't, we, we don't get to test God. We don't get to complain to God about the life that he gives us, which has just the right amount, by the way, of trials and triumphs. Everybody has a different life. We all have trials and we all have triumphs. And God will make sure we have just the right amount for what we need. So let's be grateful for both. So then you have um, committed disciples and you think, well, they surely, they surely, you know, they're in church, they're going on for God, they've got good hearts. But even then, Jesus warns of a hard heart. He, he was walking on water and it says, you know, as you do, he approached the disciples who were in a boat 
And it said, he said um, twice, he said to them, one time they were like astonished. And in Mark, it says, Mark 6, 52, they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. He just, he just fed all these people and produced them all these loaves of bread. And it says when they saw him walking on water, they didn't understand. Their hearts were hardened. And then again, later they were, they were arguing, we haven't, got, we haven't got any bread, we haven't got any bread. And Jesus said, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not understand? Is your heart still hardened? So I was like, wow, you know, they, the disciples are pretty good guys. And yet Jesus is saying, even you have to watch that your heart is not hard because worrying about provision shows a hard heart. How is that? Because it's saying, I don't know if God's going to provide. I don't know if he's, you know, I don't know if he's going to look after us. And it's like, I just fed, you know, 5,000 people. I will look after you. When we're worrying, can you imagine little Junie here, my little granddaughter going, I don't know if mummy's going to give me any food because, you know, you know what kind of mum she is. Sorry, Eleanor. <laughs> just throw you under the bus there. But, you know, um, but can you imagine if Junie said that? You go, Junie, that's, that's like, your mum's a good mum. I don't have that attitude. Do you know what I'm saying? But we do that with God. He's like, I don't know if God's going to provide now and I'm, I'm worried about it. It's like, hey. I'm God, I'm looking after you. It shows a hard heart. It shows a hard heart. When they saw Jesus on water and they were like, whoa, what's this? Jesus said they, had, they did not understand about the loaves. In other words, they forgot that Jesus does miracles. Hey, he's a miracle working God. We've got to keep a soft heart to expect new ways of doing things, to expect miracles, not to sort of be, oh, look, oh, I don't think he does that sort of thing anymore. I don't, I don't believe in these miracles. I don't. That's a hard heart. It's like, why not? He's still God today. I don't know about spiritual gifts. I don't think he does that anymore. Why not? That shows a heart that's saying, that's blocking God. Not only do I think that God has spiritual gifts today, I think in 50 years' time they'll look back at us and go, ha, they didn't even know about this. They didn't even do that. They were so, you know, they didn't know things. They'll, they'll, there'll be more of God revealed in 50 years' time. Our grandchildren will have a greater revelation of God, not less, and they'll look back at us and think, oh, they didn't even know about that. <laughs> so we need to have faith in the power of God and that shows a good heart. That shows a soft heart. So you can see why the book in Proverbs says, guard your heart with all diligence. Like really watch out for your heart. Because no matter what phase of life you might think yourself in, it's very easy to harden up our hearts. And, you know, I was thinking about the heart. I've been looking up, you know, now, excuse me if you're a scientific person, but the heart has, you know, four chambers and we need to make sure that the, the whole of our heart is open to God, all four chambers. So, you know, one chamber, the, the left atrium, receives the oxygen from the lungs. So we need to make sure that we're, you know, opening that part of our heart up to the lungs and then the left ventricle pumps it through to the whole body. And then the empty blood brings all the carbon dioxide back to the right atrium and then goes to the right ventricle. And so round and round it goes. So we need to make sure that all of our hearts is working. That we're not just sort of coming to church and yes, I'll receive, but then, nope, I'm not going to put that through to the rest of my life. You know what I'm saying? I'm a Christian at church, but not at work. We need to make sure that we're, you know, the right atrium's getting all the empty stuff. We're dealing with all the sin. We're clearing it out. Come on, just... 
get rid of that carbon dioxide. I mean, carbon dioxide has got a very bad name at the moment, like, scary, scary. We do have it pumping around our bodies, by the way. But, you know, we, we do breathe it out. We need to clear out the stuff, clear every day, all the time, confess our sins. So we need to look after our hearts just physically, just in, in, in the way that we do spiritually. I mean, the other way around. Let me give you three quick things just, you know, and when I can't deal with this completely now, but three ways to, to guard our heart. The good news is we're told to do it, which means we can. There's choice. We don't just have to have a hard heart. We can choose to protect it and keep it soft. And the number one way that we do that is by being born again. David said, create in me a pure heart, O God. Psalm 51.10. He's like, God, do something with his heart of mine. And then Ezekiel 11.19. I will give them one heart. I will put a new spirit within them. I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Ah, oh, good news, everyone. When we're born again, God gives us a heart transplant and we need it. That stony old heart, God does this miraculous, wonderful intervention and places within us a beautiful new heart that's tender and that wants to obey how good is that to get a beautiful new heart, a heart that wants to obey him, a heart that chooses truth, a heart that chooses truth. So that's the first thing that we can choose to do and make sure that you are born again. At the end of the day, only you and God know if you are and Make sure that you are. Make sure that you've asked Jesus into your heart and that you've started again. It's not enough to just believe in God. We need to be born again. We need to be sure that we've got a new heart. And you know if you've got a new heart because you love, you just want to grow. You want to be with God. You love Christians. You're, you're attracted to truth. When you hear truth and you've got a new heart from God, you go, oh, I want that. So be those people. So be born again. Choose to seek him. He does the work. We can't change our own hearts. We actually can't. But we can cooperate. God gives us a new heart. God keeps our heart. But now it's up to us to work with him in guarding that heart and cooperating with him in, you know, cutting off the old ways and seeking him. Psalm 119 verse 10, With my whole heart I have sought you. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So what a cool scripture that is. With my whole heart, with all four chambers of my heart, I'm seeking you. I'm making sure that whether I'm, whether I'm bringing spiritual goodness in or whether I'm confessing sin and releasing stuff, that I am, am opening my whole heart to you. And this is so encouraging. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God is amazing. The word of God can keep us real. It cuts through. It, it stops us from being deceived. We can get deceived. We can go off on a weird tangent and we see it with people. It's very sad. But we don't need to be like that because if we just read the Bible regularly, it, it just centres our hearts and it, and, and it convicts us. And you go, okay, oh, wow, yeah, I, 
It's just so good for us. Let me encourage you. Keep the Word of God in your heart. That is a great way that we guard and protect our heart. We keep it safe and beautiful. So praise God. Finally, in protecting our hearts and keeping them tender and soft, I was also thinking about the, the thought of guarding. And usually if you guard something, you use hardness and strength. But we don't want our hearts to be hard. We want our hearts to be very, very soft and gentle. And so then I was just thinking about this and I thought, that's why we've got ribs. We've got a rib cage and the ribs are protecting us. So I feel like God was saying, guard your heart, not by hardening your heart, not by being, you know, I'll never let them hurt me again. You know, I'll never, never go near them again or getting hard in our hearts by protecting ourselves like that, but keeping tender and humble and tender-hearted towards one another is important. But God has placed structures, rib cages, if you like, in our life that protect us. And we need to make sure that we keep our heart nicely, firmly tucked in behind those rib cages. And I was thinking, you know, rib cages like family is a good, healthy rib. <laughs> and, and marriage and a healthy church and authentic fellowship. And these sorts of things are, are, are strong structures that are in place in our life that protect us and are there to help us keep a good heart. And it, as a matter of fact, that's exactly what... Um, in Hebrews 3, where he says, uh, he says this, Hebrews 3.12, See to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin is very deceitful. Isn't that interesting? It tricks us. It's like, you know, things that everybody agreed was a sin 50 years ago. Now everyone thinks, oh, well, maybe it's not so bad. It's like, yeah, it's bad. The the Bible says it's bad. But sin has a way of, no, it's okay now. We just do it now. It's fine. No, God decides what's good and what's not good. He he calls the shots and sin tries to deceive. But but we won't be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And one of the ways is there here, encourage one another daily. That's a rib. That's being together and encouraging one another and being in this, this place and keeping each other safe. That's, that's a great way to protect our hearts. So let's make sure that we do that. We encourage one another. The word there is parakalios, is to call near, to be near. Just be close. Just be at church helps. Be close to one another. Encourage one another. Say, so how are you going? Keep out. Let's, you know, make sure that we help each other to keep beautiful, soft hearts. So praise God, everyone. Let's guard our hearts with all diligence because our life is going to flow out of there. And I am sure that as we seek God and keep right with God, what is going to flow out of our hearts is going to be beautiful and wonderful and a great blessing to our families and to each other and to God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Why don't we all just put our hands on our hearts? pray. Father, we just, we pray for our own heart that it would stay soft and beautiful. Father God, we pray that we would give our whole heart to you. We ask Jesus into our hearts, Lord God, again, or maybe for the first time. We need you in our heart, Lord God. Give us a beautiful heart, Lord God, a grateful heart, a believing heart, a tender heart.
a forgiving heart. Touch our hearts this morning, Lord God, that we would be a beautiful people and that you'd be really pleased with us. Father, we commit our hearts once more to you and we commit ourselves to seek you with our whole heart, to love you, God, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, as you command it. hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.